people today in Western culture are almost surprised to hear that life is not about me. Um, and I just so wholeheartedly believe that God did not create us to be consumed with ourselves. He didn't bless us with all that we have um, to just keep spending more on ourselves and to be thinking about, oh, how I can climb the ladder and get the next toy or the next thing that I want to have. He created us to be outward focused and Jesus demonstrated that to us. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode two of the Canloops Alliance Church podcast. I'm so glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us today. I am also pleased to introduce our next guest to you. Diane Francisco currently serves as a missions pastor at Coquitlam Alliance Church, where she has been on staff since 2002. She is passionate about global missions and pioneering into remote places of our world with the gospel. Diane is married to Mark, who is a lead pastor at CA Church. Together, they have four children and six grandchildren. This episode expands on our More Than Me sermon series we went through in September. Coquitlam Alliance Church is fiercely committed to living more than me by giving of their time, talent, and treasure to global mission. As the leader and pastor of missions at CA Church, Diane has a long history of leading trips, serving in different areas of the world, and has an amazing passion to see the church in the West rise up to meet physical and spiritual needs, not just in our context, but also around the world. You'll enjoy this episode as it will encourage and challenge you to know Jesus and make him known. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season two. I am so privileged to be here with Diane Francisco. And uh, where do I even begin to start to intro Diane? Uh, she will intro herself, but uh, just for you, the listener, uh, I worked with Diane for almost nine years at Coquitlam Alliance Church. She's been serving at uh, Coquitlam Alliance since 2002 as a missions pastor there. Her and her husband, Mark, are great friends of Krista and I, are mentors of ours. And so uh, it's such a great gift and privilege to be able to have you, Diane, on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you. It is always good to see you and to chat with you. So I feel very privileged to be here and particularly excited to be sharing with Kamloops Alliance as well. Um, my son and daughter-in-law attended KAC for five years. And so I spent uh, many weekends with them and also attended. And we partnered with you in 2016 in taking a team to Mexico. And that was a highlight for me, one of our best teams and so many great memories. So it's truly a privilege to be with you here. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, I, I showed the team picture of that team in 2016 this past weekend at our church. And so uh, I know there's a lot of people that resonated as they saw themselves or people that they knew on that on that team as well. Um, yeah, Diane, why don't you tell us a little bit about a little bit more about you and kind of your job, family, all that sort of stuff, so people can be more acquainted with you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say that I'm getting more on the antique side. Uh, my husband and I <laughs> Come have on. been That's doing not true. ministry. We're in our 40th year, <laughs> so it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe even when I say it, but it's true. Um, and so we're very acquainted with the church. I, as you mentioned, I've been working in missions here at Coquitlam Alliance since uh, 
well, on staff since 2002, and much of that time has been in the missions department, uh, which I love, and it's truly my passion and my heart, and I believe that's what God has called me to. Uh, we have four grown children and we have six grandchildren, which are such a delight to us. We love being with them and spending time with them. And um, yeah, it's just a great gift to have grandkids in our lives uh, right now. So super grateful for that. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to know? <laughs> no. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know what? It's funny because I know your crew and your family so well. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But for everybody else, I think it's helpful just to get a sense of, of who, I mean, 40 years, that's incredible. Like, I'm, like, so what, when did, when did you and Mark start then? I mean, it was 40 years ago, but what, what year was it? Uh, 1980. So we were wow. married in 1980 and we did marry fairly young. Um, and then immediately we went and candidated while on our honeymoon with your, with your grandpa. So, yeah, That's so right. we go way back and right. yeah, God just led us into ministry when we were young and we're still doing it. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. Uh, Diane, tell me about, uh, you just said that you feel like it's the call on your life to be a part of what God is doing, uh, both locally, but also around the world. So as, as you fulfill that calling, what is your favorite part of what you do? Hmm. There's lots of favorites, but probably what stands out in my mind the most is being able to take the gospel into places where people have never heard. And it's hard for us to imagine in our culture that that actually is the reality out there, but it is. And so I feel like I have such a privilege of going into little remote villages um, with our global partners and starting new churches and seeing communities being changed because of it. And then the other part of my job that I really do love uh, is leading teams of Canadians and whoever ends up being on our teams um, on short-term missions and there's lots mm -hmm. of controversy over short-term missions but i believe if it's done right that it has a huge impact globally but also in our own lives and so just being able to challenge our people with a greater world perspective um, that the world is so much bigger than western canada as we know it right and also yeah. challenging people with their spiritual perspective of what a true disciple of Jesus looks like. I yeah. really believe we've kind of drifted into this comfortable Christian life. And I'm not mm -hmm. so sure that's what we're meant to do. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's what fantastic. I get really excited about. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're really good at what you do, Diane. I've been on a few trips with you and you, um, your leadership and your ability to kind of bridge the cultural context and to bring comfortable Canadians down to an uncomfortable place and be able to show and tell them like, hey, this is what it's really all about, man. It's, it's, yeah, you're very good at what you do. I was privileged to be a part of, of those teams as well. Uh, for us at Calypse Alliance here, um, the so we're airing this episode, I believe, the first or second weekend of October. But throughout September, we did a sermon series called More Than Me. And what we were trying to do at KAC was to think about what is the place of the church in the middle of a pandemic? And so informed by scripture and, and also by church history, we, we wanted to move 
towards need and towards people's grief and suffering and, and place of greatest need. So as a church throughout September, we really wanted to engage on mission, both locally, but also globally. And this was with the uh, the project in central Mexico with Pastor Thomas, which is kind of the, the link to this episode, because Diane's going to give us just a great insight on, on what God's doing in, in Mexico about uh, the church on mission in the world. And uh, I think Coco Alliance has uh, a great heart for global mission. So let's transition now, Diane, into talking about missions or mission at Coquitlam Alliance Church. So, so can you tell, tell us just a little bit Alliance about does CA, regarding Alliance, global regarding mission, global maybe your mission, philosophy, kind of your partners, the partners, your projects, uh, and just uh, overall the commitment Canadians that CA has Canadians to doing from, mission from all over globally. the world uh, has been a large okay, part. Yeah, I can start I with he... talking to you about our philosophy. And so our uh, vision is that we would not be hopping all over the world just for fun experiences and seeing new countries. We desire to develop long-term relationships with global partners. And so we have been working with uh, Village of Hope in Zimbabwe for over 20 years. Our relationship in Mexico, we just celebrated 15 years of partnership. In the Philippines, we've been working with them since 2010. And in Turkey, uh, that has been about eight years, I believe, as well. And so we really um, look for trusted leaders on the ground that we can work with. And God has led us to some of the most amazing leadership, leadership and leaders in these countries. And every time I go and visit, one of the most exciting things for me is to connect with these leaders, to see how God is using them as apostles and in just powerful ways for his kingdom in these different places. So typically um, in a partnership, we would want to send short-term teams over. We would want to bring the leader of that ministry to our church so that our people can meet that leader and get to know them. Um, We would be part of uh, projects on the ground so we can challenge our people to give and to make a difference globally uh, through evangelism, through building churches, through feeding programs, because we want to address um, both the physical and the spiritual need. It's not just about doing humanitarian work. And so often our priority and my heart beats over starting churches And like I said before, like going into new communities where the gospel has never been shared. So, um, and then I think a key point to remember as well is when we do our projects, not to go in with what we think they need, but in in consultation with the leaders on the ground, listening Mm -hmm. to them, what is God doing in their ministry and how can we be a small part of that? What um, in a, in a pre-COVID world, Diane? What? How many teams w- would CA send out to these global partners? Do you know? Uh, well, it's interesting because 2020 we had the most teams and the most trips planned, short-term missions planned. Of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and they pretty much all got canceled. But uh, we were going to visit all of our global partners this year and some of them more than once in different areas. So we can send out um, probably six to eight teams a year, which, yeah, yeah, it's not that many, but 
it's it's what we can handle at this point. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, when you you know, it's it's you, you know you described the, the the hows and this is what you know the partners and all that sort of stuff and the work that you do. And the question is why? <laughs> why <laughs> why did why does CA believe in? Uh, why do you believe so deeply in God's work around the world? Well, I truly believe that everyone is called. I know that there is that uh, belief maybe in the Western church that there's a few that are called to missions. Yeah. Um, but I believe we're all called to missions, whether it's yeah. local or global. And I believe that we can all go play a role. Now, maybe everybody can't go. But our motto in our church, we adopted from the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is that we are together on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. And we remind our people of that frequently whenever we, we have the chance that we're all on mission, whether it's with our neighbor, our family, um, our coworker or whether that's across the world in a different country. And that's what a disciple of Jesus does. We, yeah, aren't, yeah. we aren't stagnant. We don't hoard our faith. We want to go share it. And our desire and compassion is that everyone would come to know Jesus. So that's part of the why. It's because mm -hmm. we're called. That's what Jesus calls us to. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And I think you know, one of the one of the ways that we've articulated that here is, you know, we just we just think, what is the actions or commitments of a disciple? They love, they gather, they practice, and then our last like word is go. Like it's a verb, and we want people to go. You know, across the across the street, across the room, and across yeah. the world too. So as yeah, as totally. CA, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Um, as CA has has done this, what has the impact been, um, on the church? You know, um. If you send six to eight teams out a year, you know, let's say there's an average of 10 people per team, that's 60 to 80 people a year going on these trips, partnering, giving, you know, Christmas Eve offerings. Um, those 60 to 80 people a year times 20 years, you know, they come back. What's What's been the impact for life at Coquitlam Alliance? I think it's had a huge impact in our church and a huge positive impact. I think yeah. it has given us a purpose um, and a vision beyond ourselves, which right. is what I love about what you're preaching through in September. You know, this is this is more than me. This is mm -hmm. about the rest of the world. And yeah. I believe pretty strongly that life is not about me. Um, and so it's brought great unity to our church. It's brought a vision and excitement. Um, that we are enhancing God's kingdom around the world and that good things are happening. We see so much in the news all the time about the mess that our world is in, but we are the ones with that, with hope to offer. Yeah. And God has blessed us, not so we can just keep pouring it on ourselves and keep praying that he blesses us more, but so that we can be a blessing to others. Yeah. And I think it brings a sense of contentment in our people that mm. um, that we are doing something that really matters. And it mm -hmm. causes us to look outward rather than inward. Um, and I think, Chris, you know what our building is like here. It's not the most ideal building. But no. I, I feel like 
our people even resist spending on ourselves when they know that we can do something really great in another place where there's so much more need than what we have here. And our tagline has kind of become what we do here, we're going to do there. So if we're going to build ourselves a new building, we're going to go overseas and we're going to build a church there and help in that sense. And financially, I didn't really mention this, but I'll I'll say that our our goal has been to give about 30% of our budget to missions. So rather than spending it on ourselves and um, just looking inward, we want to see what we can do with our budget to continue to grow that and to grow it every year so that we reach out more and more. That's so cool. You know, one of the, as, as you described kind of that culture at CA, obviously that's the environment that I was saturated in for a decade, almost a decade of my life. And that sense of, we look outward as a church, like this isn't about us. This is about, you know, outward and needs and meeting needs, you know, spiritually and, and, uh, and, you know, holistically that same ethos was at Camloops Alliance too. So when I came here, that was one of the things that really solidified it. It was like, you know what? Like, this is a church that has that is outward in our desire, outward in our focus as well. And we uh, have tried to live to that, live up to that in different ways as well. So I I I think that even that sense of um, it's it's not about us. Like, mm-hmm. if if the world is such a mess and and the gospel is true, it is impossible to sit around and watch it go by without standing up and doing it. So that's fantastic. Um, so that's the impact at in in Coquitlam in in the church. But can you can you just sketch out some of the impact that you've had uh, around the world with your global partners over the last you know 15, 20 years? Mm-hmm. I actually find that question hard to answer because I think because I constantly see such great need and I feel like oh we're just one little speck like we're hardly doing anything and so it's hard for me to sometimes look at what we actually are doing because I keep focusing on there's need and we need to keep doing more um because there is so much spiritual and physical poverty. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes the need can be overwhelming. So this last February, I was able to be in Zacatecas before COVID hit and um, was traveling with Pastor Thomas. And he was explaining to me how Coquitlam Alliance has impacted the entire country of Mexico. And that was hard for me to process in my mind. But as we talked about it, we realized that we are making a difference in way down in the south where we've been. We've been over in the west in Ensenada. We've been throughout the Copper Canyon. We've been in the north. Now we're working in the central, uh, just impacting the church, encouraging the pastors, going into unreached places. And, and so sometimes you think maybe your efforts aren't doing much, but to hear him affirm that we are impacting an entire country uh, was really encouraging for us yeah. and really we'll never know the full impact of what we've done right. but as right. we step out in faith I believe that God um, uses us we have seen entire communities transformed with the gospel where um, 
the people in the town used to be drunk and laying all over the ground. And now the entire town are Christians and they're working and they're being able to provide food for their families. And we see how important the gospel is. So Mm -hmm. there's so much that impact that we can have if we're willing to take those steps. And I I think it's willing to take those steps uh, in a committed fashion. And I think like, you know, the unique thing that CA has done is a long-term partnership. So you get to see, you get to build a relationship and trust, but you get to see impact over a long period of time. And I I think that is remarkable that um, the rear view mirror is so full of stories and impact, but there's also, as you (laughs) said, so much more to do as well. Uh, As we think about, global mission more than me um and our our part you know as canadians uh in in our culture what what does the phrase mean to you when i say more than me what does it mean um that's a really loaded question for me it's actually one of my hot buttons Mm -hmm. um because just go diane just go (laughs) because I think that people today in Western culture are almost surprised to hear that life is not about me. Um, And I just so wholeheartedly believe that God did not create us to be consumed with ourselves. He didn't bless us with all that we have um, to just keep spending more on ourselves and to be thinking about Oh, how I can climb the ladder and get the next toy or the next thing that I want to have. He created us to be outward focused and Jesus demonstrated that to us. He lived his life serving others, helping others, healing others, teaching others, discipling others. Um, And he did not come and make a comfortable life for himself. So I see in Western culture and I fight it myself all the time. I have not overcome this, Um, Mm -hmm. but we get lulled into thinking that life should be about us. It should be safe and easy and blessed and comfortable and full of luxury and pleasantries. But I don't think that's the way of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would suggest that God is not safe and he does not always call us into a life of safety. And Jesus did not die on the cross so that we could comfortably attend church on Sunday morning and live a life of ease. He's Mm -hmm. called us to follow him wherever he leads. And sometimes that's in the most uncomfortable and difficult places to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Preach it. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, our, our, Our hope through the More Than Me series was to get people out of their, um, and, and I, I get it. I mean, it, we're in a pandemic and there's financial stress and there's all of these things going on. But to 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 think about the, the, the verse in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says, you know, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but rather for the one who for, the, who for their sake was dead and was raised again. And it's like, man, the call of the gospel to be... Um, generous and to be outward focused and to live more than me uh, is on us in a pandemic or not. Mm-hmm. As we think about um, as we think about in our Western culture, the allure of comfort and prestige and power and accumulation, um, 
what does it cost or maybe what should it cost <laughs> someone to be a part of the mission of God in our world? Well, um, there's a huge cost to, to discipleship. And that's where I feel like the Western church has been lulled into thinking that there is no cost. You come and you pray a prayer and now you're a disciple and you attend church and life is great. But we are called to die to ourselves. Um, and this includes sacrifice and suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, in First Peter, we're told that we're going to share in the sufferings of Christ. So right. how do we do that on a daily basis? What does that look like? And I believe in our new idol of safety that nobody mm. wants to suffer. We don't think mm. that's what God would, would ask of us, but I think he definitely does. And mm. I encourage people to read Bonhoeffer's book on the cost of discipleship. It's a great little read on yeah. what is the cost of discipleship. Um, and as we follow him in obedience, it doesn't mean our life is going to be cozy and comfortable. There's going to be a cost. There's going to be mm. sacrifice. Um, we may have to sacrifice our family. We may not be able to have all the things that we, we think we deserve. Mm -hmm. But I think one day we'll be grateful that we did uh, follow Christ in full obedience um, mm -hmm. and suffer along with Jesus. And I want, I, I'd like to just give a little quote that I know um, is from David Platt. And he said, we have lost sight of what it means to be a disciple. And we have laid aside Jesus' command to make disciples. We have tragically minimized what it means to be his follower. And we have virtually ignored the biblical expectation that we fish for men. The result is a rampant spectator mentality that skews discipleship across the church, stifles the spread of the gospel around the world, and ultimately sears the heart of what it means for each of us to be a Christian. Mm. And I, I think that's so true. We have to be so careful to not fall into that. Yeah. And then I have heard as well, people talk about what's the cost of our non-discipleship? Do we ever look at it from that perspective? How many yeah. people will not hear the gospel because we choose not to yeah. be full disciples? And so right. that, that's something we also might want to consider as yeah. we think about yeah. what God is calling us to. Really powerful. I, I, and I, I think, you know, the plan of the enemy for, as you've mentioned, the Western church is, is not persecution, but rather to lull us to sleep with mm -hmm. accumulation and, and, and comfort. And, and yet, you know, as you said, like it's all through scripture, like this is the cost of discipleship, you know, to pick up your cross and to follow and whoever wants to gain their life will lose it for the sake mm -hmm. of Jesus. And, and so there's all these things that are like, I think we, we know them, but we don't actually follow through. And, and yet, you know, the promise of Jesus is that when you lose these things and when you lose your comfort and when you give up things for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom, that's where you actually find true life. And so we've bought into this myth okay. that accumulation and comfort and power and all these sorts of things will give me the good life when it's actually following Jesus with full surrender is how okay. you get the good life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
you know, I met with a friend this summer um, in a different province, but as we were chatting, she told me about what her family was walking through because they had grown for years thinking that they were uh, kids of the king and they needed to live like king's kids. And now they're Uh starting to see that maybe that isn't the essence of the gospel. And she said her mom is so discouraged thinking that she followed down this path for years and years and is now realizing that that's not the way of the gospel. So Mm -hmm. I think there's Mm -hmm. been some false teaching along the way as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as as I and you and your church and our church here um, try to live this out, one of the ways that we have tried, uh, well, we were going to try, we're going to go uh, with to partner with Coquitlam Alliance to, uh, I think, Copper Canyon, at least this summer with Pastor Thomas in Mexico. Uh, I want to talk a little bit now about Pastor Thomas and Brenda and what's going on in Mexico. Um one of the projects that we launched was to raise uh, $25,000 to purchase land um, for a house of refuge. And so that's kind of the connection point here. Can you tell us, uh, I gave a brief update on our, at our launch about Pastor Thomas and his ministry. Very, very short. You've been working with Pastor and the gang for 15 years, I think you said. Can you just give us um, an intro to Pastor, the ministry, Copper Canyon, and kind of what you guys have seen and done in Mexico? All right. (laughs) I'll try to be brief. Um, So Pastor Thomas is actually the current president of the Christian Missionary Alliance in Mexico and has had that role for many years. Um, And so he is connected all throughout the country. Um, he has pastored and is continuing to pastor several churches in El Paso, Texas, and also in the city of Juarez. He has planted many, many churches throughout the country, all across, like I mentioned before, in all areas, and is so passionate about taking the gospel into unreached communities where people have never heard And to him, it doesn't matter how difficult it is to get there. As you know, Chris, from the trip that you came on with us when we hiked into Mapuche. Um, And so he will go by horseback. He will walk for days to go in and make inroads with the people to take them some food when they're suffering and to explain the gospel to them. I look at him as a modern day apostle. I think there's very few people that you see alive today that have that kind of ministry. And Mm -hmm. so uh, recently God put it on his heart to work with some of the suffering believers. Interesting to note that I think Mexico is number three in the world for persecuted believers. And we would wow. never think that because we always think Mexico and Puerto Vallarta and Cancun and beaches, but right. that's not the case. There's uh, a lot of persecution that goes on within the country. And so that's an interesting um, topic for us to look at too, as believers, what is our responsibility to our brothers and sisters who are suffering? Yeah, yeah. And so as I went there with him, uh, I was able to meet some of the people in Zacatecas 
and I've met some of them in the southern part of the country as well who are suffering for their faith. Um, Pastor also established an orphanage in the Copper Canyon, and that has been operating for about 12 years where the children are coming from families where they've been neglected or orphaned. They're getting schooling and food and education. Um, and through that, they've been able to go out into all the surrounding villages and plant churches as well. So I wouldn't even begin to guess how many people um, or how many churches he has planted, but um, many, many over the years of his ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful man, soft-spoken, but just a spiritual powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very humble man. Yeah. yeah. Very humble. I, I, you know, my first time at the Copper Canyon at the orphanage, uh, it was one of like my first like kind of you know, mission, short-term mission trip and to see the joy in the kids and to see the health mm-hmm. and to see that they're flourishing. I just thought this is a kingdom of God in action, you know, like mm-hmm. where, where there was no hope, there's now hope or there was no food. There's now food where there was no Jesus. There's now Jesus. And it's like yeah. all of this just like reeks, sings, proclaims, you know, the things mm-hmm. of Jesus, which is so yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about Zacatecas and the tribe that um, Pastor is now working with? Kind of more, give us more information about um, this project and the persecuted Christians there. Yeah. So I was, I've been in there twice now and just had the privilege of meeting uh, the believers there. So um, they are the Wacholi tribe. And the tribe is steeped in satanic worship. It's hard for us to imagine because that's so not part of our culture, but um, they do have temples there for Satan and um, that is how they live out their lives. And so in order to become a Christian there, there's so much persecution that takes place. So the people will badly beat um, the family members, they kick them out, they take over their land, they take their house. They are excommunicated from the community, so they have no food and nowhere to go. Um, I've met many of the people there, and their stories of courage and faith is just beyond anything I've, I've ever seen. And their determination to follow Jesus um, and to share their faith. They're wearing cross necklaces. They're wearing T-shirts that have scripture verses on them because they want people to know that they are a Christian, even though they know it will cause persecution for them. Um, When we were there, they told the story of how the government had heard about their plight and given them a little bit of land for this one particular community. And so they were growing corn with it. And the idea was that they would all build themselves a house. And they chose first to build this huge church because they wanted the entire community to see that they were Christians. And so they lived in tents personally and put all their money towards building a church um, so that they would have a place for the Christians to gather. And I just couldn't believe um, their selflessness in doing that and how they were putting Jesus first in their lives. They didn't eat, you know, they would eat one meal a day. 
uh, we showed up and pastor said, oh, we're going to come back for dinner. And they looked at us and they said, oh, well, typically we don't eat dinner here. And so they served us tea and a piece of bread and that that was dinner. Um, But I have just been so encouraged by them. There's two young pastors there that are boldly proclaiming their faith, trying to rise above discouragement and the threat of losing their lives potentially and of what the outsiders might do to them. But yeah, I just came away and felt like, oh, we have to do something here to pray Mm -hmm. for these people, to encourage them, to help them. Mm -hmm. So, so that's when we decided that um, it would be a great um, help to them if we could build a house of refuge so that when they're kicked out of a community, um, they would have a place to go. So what the Christians are saying is that there's many that want to become Christians, but they're afraid because what do they do with their children and their families? Once they become Christians, where do they go? And so we want to build a house of refuge, which would be temporary housing for them, not permanent, just temporary um, until they could get themselves established. And the other thing that this house would do um, Again, this is a foreign concept to us, but uh, many of the adults need to make a commitment to the satanic temple for five years. And so they literally abandon their children. doesn't matter what age they are. And so there's a lot of orphan children running around. And so this house of refuge would be able to house some of the children that are that have been abandoned. We visited a family that was living in tents. They had several of their own children, and they had taken in some orphan children as well. And they had nothing, but yet they're, they're trying to do their best to help and to reach out to these, to these kids that have been abandoned. So wow. huge opportunity for us yeah. um, to get involved and yeah. to, to be a help to them. Yeah, I agree. It's it's an opportunity for us as brothers and sisters to rise up and help people. And I think like, you know, we will never know that experience. I will never know that experience of mm-hmm. being persecuted to that extent. Um, but again, as we think about more than me, especially for you who are listening, as we think about more than me, this is an opportunity that we can financially partner with. But hopefully at, at some point, a post-COVID world, be able to partner with Pastor Thomas and potentially even go down and be a part of the ministry. Is that mm-hmm. is that your hope as well, Diane? Yes, absolutely. So we when we went down in February, um, they were having a huge celebration and they allowed us as Christians to come and to cook a lunch for them. Mm. We were a little bit nervous and the the two pastors that we work with were scared for our lives saying, you know, some of these people are going to be angry with you. We we want you to leave here before nightfall. Um, But we had, we made great inroads into the community and they were thrilled that we had come and provided meat and food to uh, serve lunch to the entire community. Uh, We also helped to establish a business for some of the women. They're going to open a coffee shop and a bake store 
And so we, we're trying to teach them and enable them to provide for themselves. And that's yeah. what, what they are longing for as well. They're not looking for a handout. Yeah. Uh, they just need that help to give them a step up. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I know that down the road we'll be taking teens in there. And um, I know that God's going to open up doors for us. And I look oh. forward to that day. Yes. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, so this, this has been so so good, Diane. Any anything that you would add that that we missed? Maybe something that you wanted to get out, but I interrupted you, or uh, something that you just would want to leave the listener with. Um, nothing that I can really think of, but I do just want to encourage you at Camloops Alliance. Um, I'm so excited to hear what you guys are doing. It, it really just warms my heart to know what your passion is, what your commitment is to be disciples of Jesus and to make a difference globally and to be taking these steps. And mm-hmm. Chris, for you to challenge your people um, to be missional, I, I'm just so excited to see that happen and to know the global impact that you can have. And I yeah. know that seed has been planted there. And I know that the hearts of your people are open. And we experienced that just in the, in the small interactions that I've had with Kamloops Alliance. And even yeah. Pastor Thomas, he has such a soft spot in his heart for Kamloops Alliance. <laughs> he loves your church. Um, he talks Bob's plane all the time. He says <laughs> that Bob is his hero because Bob came when he was 81 and he hiked into Napuchi. And he said, man, if Bob can do it, I can keep going and I can do this. So, Bob's yeah. playing the legend, the legend. Yes, he is a legend. He and so legend. I just want to encourage you to keep Thank on you. with the more than me and to being yeah. missional in all that you do. And yeah. I will be praying for you as a church as well. So, yeah, I'm excited for you. Amen. Thank you, Diane. And you know what? That is a great place to end this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Episode two is done. More than me, make sure that you, wherever you are, uh, are thinking today how you can love, serve uh, those around you. Bless you. We'll talk soon. Wasn't that conversation so good? It challenged me to critically analyze my life and see some places where I can give up some of my comfort in order to make Jesus known. It was also so good to hear more about what Pastor Thomas is doing in Mexico and how KAC can play our part well in supporting him and the ministry there. As I think about KAC and our future, this is an area of growth in global mission that I am consistently praying about. And I know with our generosity as a church that God will bring great people to lead and inspire us to be a church that thinks more about our place in serving the global church and how God is on the move in our world. So thanks again for joining us. Make sure to tune in next week as we have Bernie Vandewall on the podcast. Bernie is serving as the district superintendent of the Midwest District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. He brings amazing expertise into the history of our denomination and our founder, A.B. Simpson. You will be informed and encouraged to press into what God is doing in and through the Christian and Missionary Alliance in our country, and we're praying also in Kamloops. See you next week.